You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, we are on 24 hours away from the UFC's return to pay-per-view, and they are bringing a big one to viewers around the world, as well as 15 or so thousand screaming fans in Jacksonville, Florida. Three world title fights, including a rematch for the welterweight title at the top of the bill as we welcome you to the UFC 261 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. Going a little old school this week, I am Mike Hack, and joining me from the River City is Jose Youngs. And Jose, first things first, man, I know we touched on this a few months ago on Fight Island. I know we didn't have an open workout, but we had a media day. We had a press conference with fans, ceremonial weigh-ins with fans. We're going to have a sold-out crowd tomorrow night. There's obviously still some precautions in place covering the event, but do you feel like we're at least on the road to normalcy covering this event in person? Man, I tell you what, getting on a plane felt a little eerie getting off the plane like collecting the bag stuff and after that i was like okay i've been here before it's not as weird as i thought but getting to the hotel and like calling ubers and lifts and like going to the like the fighter hotels for official way like official way not official ways uh the media days and then going well and official ways the next day it felt bizarre it felt very normal and that felt bizarre to me like i was like after the first media day i was like oh, i can i i remember i remember this uh, going to the going to the arena for ceremonial weigh-ins and having to set up all of your equipment for about eight minutes of video footage and then getting kicked out immediately and having to rush to pack it all in. So yeah, it's Abu Dhabi. We had it was similar, but this feels a lot more close to normal than we have in the last twelve months in terms of fight coverage. We do still have to take two COVID tests this week. Uh, I just finished one. Well, actually, I'm outside the fighter hotel right now, so. Uh, so we have to we have to change wristbands for every single uh, media event. So it's different wristband for official way and different wristband for ceremonial way and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, it's it's eerily normal, and I don't know how to feel about it yet. <laughs> well, let us get into the main event tomorrow night: the rematch between Kamar Usman and Jorge Masvidal, the welterweight champion versus the BMF champion. Of course, the first fight went down in July. At the aforementioned Fight Island, UFC 251, it was short notice. Each guy had six six or so days to prepare for the other. Mazadal had the massive weight cut. Usman was dealing with some injuries heading into the fight. All of those narratives now, Jose, they are off the table. And a lot of people kind of feel indifferent about this fight. But I get why they made it. We get a sold-out crowd. It's in Florida. 
How would you describe the buzz in the air for this fight and Mazadal's chance to become world champion in his 50th professional fight? On the ground, it's insane. It, I've never heard a, a pop like this. In a, I haven't heard the pop like this in a long time. When Jorge Masvidal does anything, the place goes berserk. Like fans, like like you guys have lined up for weigh-ins and like all that stuff in the, the press conferences and what have you, and fans are just like, they'll see us and they'll be like, hey, John Morgan, hey, Jose, Oscar. And we're like, this is weird. Like fans are starting to yell at us again, and then we get in and people are chanting like 305, 305, or whatever the, the area code is and uh, some – Less than savory uh, chance that I won't say out loud uh, to some of the foreign fighters or non-Florida-based uh, fighters. But, yeah, it was uh, it was weird. It, the, the hype around the main event specifically is palpable. Everyone is very hyped on Hori Mazdal, and everyone hates Kamaru Usman. I know AK on our weigh-in show was like, oh, you know, maybe they're just saying Kamaru and stuff like that. I'm like, nope, they are booing the hell out of Kamaru Usman. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is very pro Mazdal and very anti-Kamaru Usman. Usman is a massive favorite heading into this fight. It's minus 400 and change for the reigning champion. The comeback on Mazadal, as we speak right now, is around a plus 350. And, you know, Usman has fought since their first meeting. That great performance against Gilbert Burns in February stopped him in the third round. He got pretty banged up in the first round, but was able to overcome that. Odds makers and the betters thus far are saying this fight doesn't go any differently than the one at UFC 251. Maybe it's more competitive because they both had full camps to prepare for it. But did you learn enough from the fight in July in Usman's performance against Gilbert Burns to make you think this one goes any differently tomorrow night? Uh Against Gilbert Burns, I just I realized that Kamar Usman is a lot better striker than I think a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, we saw that in the Colby Covington fight, like when he smashed up Colby Covington's jaw uh, and what have you. But in terms of the, this specific fight, I like like you you said it best. It was like six days to repair. Now that one was ready, Jorge Masvidal had to cut like twenty pounds in six days. Kamar Usman had basically flown home uh, and had flew home, had to fly back to Vegas and then fly back to Abu Dhabi. So yeah, it's a completely different stylistic fight all around. Uh, I do still favor Kamar Usman, but I can't imagine it will be less competitive. It's Masvidal is on point. He's sharp right now. As you saw at the press conference, there was not a lot of trash talk, and there was some. It was mostly from Kamar Usman and then Hori Masvidal being like, oh, you give good foot rubs in there and this and that. It is what it is. This fight is going to be awesome. This fight is going to be fantastic. Kamar Usman looked like he stopped Gilbert Burns with strikes. He stopped Colby Covington with strikes. Gilbert Burns is an elite-level grappler. Colby Covington is an incredible wrestler and has world-class cardio. And Kamar Usman stops both of them. Do you remember the narrative before he fought Colby Covington was the main event could be a snoozer because both neither of these guys have knockout power. And then that was the only fight went on that card of the three title fights was Amanda Nunes, GDR, I believe it was Holloway and Volkanovski. And who got the stoppage win? Kamaru Usman. He did the same thing against Gilbert Burns. His striking is incredible. His jab is just rock hard. Like when he just, when you, he lands it, it's not like a snapping jab. It's like he's hitting you with the end of a baseball bat, just constantly, constantly, constantly. And then he just cracks you over the head with it. So yeah, uh, Kamaru Usman's awesome. Uh, Hori Majel has like that, that like stutter step run and hook. But he threw that like 10 times against Kamar Usman the first time and telegraphed it every single time. Kamar Usman saw it coming from my light and dodged it very well. But if he can get this fight to the canvas, uh, Hori Majidal has like that similar thing that Dustin Poirier does. Maybe it's an ATT thing where when he gets on his butt, he kind of scoots towards the fence and then kind of wall climbs up and then he can break away and get back to striking. I don't think Jorge Masvidal it's not in his best interest to scoot up the wall and find Kamar Usman pushing him 
against the wall because he's not going to be able to get away. So uh, I don't know what to expect. All I know, this is going to be much more competitive than the first fight. I, I'm favoring Usman as well, but I want to throw this out there because last night in between the links, Jed Mishu made an interesting point. I know it doesn't happen very often. That's shocking. In world. <laughs> because he's picking Mazadal to knock Usman out tomorrow night. He shocking. sort of discussed... Well, he discussed like Mazadal's gas tank is obviously going to be in a much better place than it was the yeah. first fight. But Usman got dropped pretty hard in that fight in February yeah. and almost got stopped. And even though the fight was a little over 10 minutes, Usman is making an awfully quick turnaround here. Yeah, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. But in official capacity, this is the quickest turnaround in the entire career of Kamar Usman. And also a factor that hasn't been mentioned all that much. Mike Brown is going to be in Jorge Mazadal's yeah. corner this time around. He wasn't for the first fight. So how much could those intangibles factor in this rematch? They will play a factor, but like these two are veterans of the game. And like, we've heard it from a million people. Like you can have the best coach, you can have the best car, you can be in the best shape of your life, but who are you fighting? You're fighting the champion, the man who has the longest winning streak in the history of this division. Like, so Jorge Maswell is clearly going to be a better fight. He's clearly going to have a better showing. You watch that first fight. You watch this way, the official weigh-ins. Jorge Maswell needed the towel. And then you could tell right away he was gassed after, like, five minutes. So I don't expect that to happen. So add in Mike Brown. Add in a better weight cut. Add in the best shape of your life. Add in all that stuff. Kamar Usman is still the champion. He's right there. Can Jorge Masvidal win? 100%. In my mind, this is a coin flip. This is a 50-50 fight. I don't think it's as clear-cut as, oh, Jorge Masvidal is going to get a knockout just because you add Mike Brown. Because at this point in their career, Anthony Smith said it best. He's, we've interviewed him, and he's like, after a while, you just go out there and fight, and you know what to do, and your coaches are there to steer the ship. But how many fights does Masvidal have? Like 50-plus. Usman's the champion, longest winning streak, stopping everyone. Being the He's the most active welterweight in the top five, and he's the champion. And you just said this is the quickest turnaround he had. So, like, that just goes to show you what, what he's doing to this division. So, at the end of the day, skill set will prevail. And I lean slightly towards Kamaru Usman, but in my mind, this is still a 50-50 fight. Yeah, and, and despite how people may feel about this fight, it's really interesting looking at it from an odds and ends perspective because Usman is on the road to being in some legendary company. Mazadal is about to make his 50th or a little over 50th yeah. walk. This win would be incredible for his career. It would sort of validate the entire journey on top of becoming an even bigger star. Plus, this could be his last chance to fight for the belt. So there's a lot on the line here for both guys. It is a really interesting fight. And I think after the weigh-ins and the ceremonial weigh-ins, I'm jazzed up for it. I can't wait. Oh, but I, another I'm fight, so excited. I also, go ahead. Yeah, and, and another I fight. So, I, I, I also. The, the fa <laughs> I just want to say this. I just want to say this. Like, I, w I was not keen on this fight. I thought Wonderboy or Leon Edwards or whoever should have gotten the title fight next. These ceremonial weigh-ins and the Q and and the press conference yesterday. Jorge Masvidal is a star. I don't care if he lost his last fight. I don't care if he's three and three in his last six fights. Jorge Masvidal is one of the top five biggest draws in MMA right now. And I'm very excited for this fight. Another great fight. The co-main event for the Strawway title between Zhang Wei Li and Rose Namajunas. This is Zhang Wei Li's first appearance since the last time the UFC was in front of a full capacity crowd. That epic war with Ioana and Jacek at UFC 248. She skipped out on the whole empty arena experience and she takes on the former champion Rose. And something tells me, Jose, we've known each other a long time. Something tells me this one is checking off all the boxes on your end. This is these are the two best, like two of the best 115 pound fighters in the world. I know Joanna's out there, Tatiana Suarez is out there, Mackenzie Dern's making a lot of noise, Carlos Barz and Jan Jaunan have to fight. But right now, 
this is one of those fights where like, yeah, th this is the antithesis of the main event. Is anyone going to argue that these two women don't deserve to be fighting right now? Like, genuinely is the champion. Fight of the year. Great, one of the greatest title fights, if not the greatest title fight in the history of mixed martial arts. Rose Namajunas, former champion, uh, avenged her loss to Jessica Andrade uh, on Fight Island. And this is a fight that I think will answer a lot of questions that we have. Like, how will uh, Zhang Weili do against someone with elite grappling like Rose Namajunas does? Rose Namajunas also made a point that she hits really hard, and she does. She knocked out Joanna Yanjacek. Uh, she also does a fantastic job of, of like, she has, like, that great hip toss. Even when she's on her back, she's violent. Ya Zhang Weili is Zhang Weili, Weili, Zhang Weili is, the, is, is the same thing. You get her on her back, she's getting she's getting elbowed. You get she's getting on top of you, she's gonna be working. These two ladies do not stop working. They do not stop fighting. They're not taking a rest. They're not just gonna push you into the fence. This fight checks every box for just being an elite level martial arts competition, and the belt just happens to be involved. Uh, I can't I can't describe to you how talented Zhang Weili is, and Rose Namajunas has already proven it. But there are questions. How will, uh, how will Rose do against the power of, of Zhang Weili, those body kicks that she throws, those elbows that she throws? Like, she didn't stop fighting against Yuan, and she was getting beat pretty badly. Well, both ladies were beating each other. I'm not saying she was on the losing end. They were just beating each other to a bloody pulp, and they were both all bruised up at the end, and she kept fighting. Rose is the same way. A lot of people in the fans, we've talked to some of the media members, think Rose is just mentally in a weird place right now with all these comments she was making. She waits the last moment to apologize, but we saw the same thing when Rose's fight, Ioana. She just looked like a deer in a headlight, and then she knocked her out in New York, in Madison Square Garden. So I don't know what to expect right here. I think this is a 50-50 fight, too. Uh, Zhang Weili could be the best 150-pound fighter in the world, but there is a legit, legitimate argument. She lost to Ioana and Jacek uh, last March. A lot of people scored for her, including Conor McGregor, who made it very known on Twitter. I, I want to see how Whaley bounces back off a fight like that. And I want to see how Rose does against someone of a caliber fighter of Whaley. So the bell just happens to be involved, but this fight is fantastic. And I'm glad it's for the belt because I need this to be five rounds. Luckily, we don't really have to sell this one. It's just that damn good. No. It is the quote unquote people's main event. No doubt about it. But uh, do, you, do you have a pick for this one? In a 50 50 fight, and I'm making this up right, making, making my pick right now. Because I've gone back and forth. When it's a 50-50 fight, whoever has the belt tends to be the deciding factor in my mind. So I favor Wei Li, but Rose has proven that she can beat anyone that you put in front of her. But then she's also had some weird losses. Uh, I know the Carlos Sparza fight she just wasn't ready for on the, the end of the Ultimate Fighter. And then she lost to Carolina in Atlanta, and there was some stuff going on in her personal life. I don't know what's going on in her personal life right now. She's clearly ready. Can she win? Easily. If she goes out there and submits Wei Li in round one, I wouldn't be surprised. If she goes out there and gets a five-round just insane fight and wins, wouldn't be surprised. If Whaley goes out there and stops Rose, wouldn't be surprised. This is fit every definition of the word 50-50 to me. And whoever has the belt, that 15 pounds of gold slightly tilts the scale to them. I'm super curious how Rose does the later the fight goes because she is yeah. such a good starter. Like in those first rounds, the first seven and a half minutes, there's like nobody more fun to watch in the entire sports than Rose Namajunas, but can she keep that going for the longevity of the fight? That's the question I have, and I'm with you. It's a 50-50 fight. I'm leaning towards the champion just because Zhang has gone five rounds. She can do that, and Rose has gone five rounds as well, but you know, over the last few fights, we've seen her kind of fade down the stretch, and we'll see if she can she can have a, a full 25-minute output, but yeah, she could. this fight could go a, a, a so many different ways, and I'm excited to see it. It's an outstanding fight. And it's funny because people who are not giant fans of the sport, 
have this one circled. Like people are reaching out to me. They all believe this one could be even better than the Zhang Wei Li Yuan and Jacek fight. And it certainly has that kind of potential. But before that fight happens, Jose, the women's flyweight title on the line, Valentina Shevchenko defends her strap against the former strawweight champion, Jessica Andrade. We've talked about the betting lines for the main event. Shevchenko is a slightly higher favorite than Kamara Usman is tomorrow night. But this isn't the crazy line in her favor that we've seen in the past. Right now, as we record this, Shevchenko's around a minus 450 favorite. The comeback on Jessica Andrade is around a plus 400. This isn't a close line, but this is close for a Valentina Shevchenko fight. Are you surprised to see the lines this close? Um. Interesting question. Uh, not, not some. I'm not surprised that this is the closest fight Valentina has had because I think Jessica Andrade just poses more uh, challenges than Jennifer Maya, Callan Chukagan, and Jessica I. I just think Jessica Andrade beats all three of those ladies. She already beat Callan Chukagan. Uh, Jessica Andrade just she a lot of the skills she has. I think she could play a benefit. She could play a big factor in this fight. They benefit her in this stylistically. Do I favor Valentina? 100%. Am I actually going to go on record and actually not be wishy-washy and pick Valentina? Yes, I'm not going to be wishy-washy like I was the last two. I'm picking Valentina to win this. But Jessica Andrade is very underrated at catching kicks. Valentina throws a lot of kicks. Jessica Andrade can catch a kick in the body and then counter with that hook. When you're when her when Valentina's torso is open, however, Valentina doesn't make any mistakes. She's not if, if she if we see that, you better believe Valentina sees that. So, uh, I think Valentina is absolutely fantastic. I think she's the best female fighter alive, not named Amanda Nunes. And that's the I honestly think Amanda's the big fight that would give her the most challenges. Yeah, Wei Li's there, uh, but I I'm not ready to see that yet. I don't think Wei Li has earned that shot yet. She has she's only defended she she's only defended her belt once, and she still has things to do at strawweight. I'm picking Valentina, but I think Jessica Andrade is the most skilled fighter she's fought uh, at 125 pounds. I did not pick Jessica Andrade to be Count Chikagian. I thought it would look very much like the uh, Rose or Ioana fights where they were uh, able to keep, keep her on the outside and Jessica Andrade would rush in and they just stayed away and like Peter patted her to death for, for, until the end. And Jessica Andrade stopped Count Chikagian with a body shot, turned her around. That's how impressive that was. Uh, Valentina historically does very well in the Matador situation where her opponent is the bull, Jessica Andrade is every definition, in every sense of the word, a bull. She rushes forward with elite power in, in that weight class. So uh, can she knock out Valentina? She can knock out anyone. I just don't think Valentina will give her an opening to do it. Yeah, I mean, we're all aware of how incredibly talented Shevchenko is, one of the best fighters on the planet, regardless of gender. Yeah. She's dominated her competition since moving up to 125. No one has had an answer, so I'm really interested to see what Andrade's approach to this fight is going to be. Like, is if she approaches it like, say, like the Ioanni and Jacek fight, could be a long night for her, but she is such a compact powerhouse. And there's a number yeah. of ways that she can attack this fight. So I'm I'm really curious to see what Andrade's approach is going to be. And plus, 125 is really interesting right now because we get two big fights coming up in the next couple of months. We got Chukagan mm -hmm. fighting Viviani Araujo on May 15th, mm -hmm. and then we got Lauren Murphy fighting Joanne Calderwood on June 12th. So 125, it's going to be a pretty interesting year for uh, Valentina Shevchenko in this entire division. But the main card is really good. Rounds out with Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall, a rematch from nearly 11 years ago on the regional scene. Weidman stopped Hall in that fight to become the ring of combat middleweight champion. Hall has been kind of stewing on this one for a while. He gets his chance to negate the first loss of his professional career. And then we get a big one at 205 between Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute. But Jose, it is deep cut time. What fight, fighter, or storyline is flying under the radar that 
has you excited that not a lot of people are talking about right now? Well, I'm not going to pick the quote-unquote deep cut of Randy Brown <laughs> and Cowboy Oliveira because apparently Jed Mishu doesn't know who had – hey, outside of, the three, outside of the three title fights, who had the biggest pop at ceremonial weigh-ins? You know what the answer was? Cowboy Oliveira. That place erupted for him, caught everyone off guard. A lot of Brazilians in the crowd. So that fight rules. I think that's on the shortlist for fight of the, fight of the night. Uh, obviously, I have to give shine to Kevin, not Tivy Dodd, who, who you've interviewed many a time before, fellow Arizona native. Um, I'm very interested to see how Dwight Grant comes back from his first knockout loss. He seemed to, uh, he was very open with it, where it's, he said it was one thing when you get beat up for like several rounds and you just lose a fight, and he can live with that. But when you just make one mistake, and you not get knocked out, those are the fights that keep you up, and you toss and turn every night. And that's Dwight Grant. Uh, I'm, he kind of made a fun, some funny scenes like he was looking past his opponent, uh, Stefan, so who's coming off a two-year uh, USADA suspension. He admitted it was his fault. It uh, wasn't for cheating reasons. more like uh, he just didn't do his research when he used something for recovery, I think, for a surgery. So very interested in how those two bounce back from those uh, lowest moments in their career. Um, and then obviously Carl Roberson had all those crazy uh, health issues. He's bouncing back against uh, Brandon Allen, who uh, is, again, same thing. He's just that Sean Strickland loss. Just eats, It doesn't eat away at him. He says the guy sleep just fine. But it's just one thing. You just make one mistake. And I fight that guy ten times. I beat him nine. He just happened to beat me that one time. Uh, I think the narrative there is if Carl Roberson keeps it standing, he wins. And if Brandon Allen takes it to the ground, he wins. Really intense faceoff. They, sh they shook hands and hugged it out later. But really, really, really intense face-off. So uh, those are a lot of the fights uh, that I'm excited for. And then a lot of Chinese prospects on the preliminary card. I'm, I apologize. I'm not going to try to butcher all of their names. Uh, but they're all like I, the first fight, the ladies' fight. If you saw the weigh-ins, if I told you that they were the same weight class, you wouldn't believe me. What, the, the Chinese uh, women had about five inches on her opponent tomorrow was looking down at her to the point where the fans were like, ooh. Like they all made like a simultaneously like gasp when they finally got face to face. So uh, definitely don't miss it out. If you're, if you're looking for the next wave of prospects, though, one thing not being spoken of, I don't think any of them have their head coach over here for this fight. Uh, they're obviously all in this card for the, for, to get the Zhang Wei uh, uh, shine, but I don't think many of them have their head coach over with them. So that's, that's one storyline to look out for, but yeah, there's a million good fights on this card, but obviously uh, the top five, just if you're only going to watch the main event, that's fine, but you're going to miss out on a lot of barn burners in the prelims. Yeah, Nali Young is five foot nine at 115 pounds. So she's she's big for that weight class. I'm excited to see Tristan Connolly back in there, back at That's 145 right. for the first time in several years after recovering from neck surgery. He dealt with a similar injury that Chris Weidman suffered, pretty pretty similar to the injury Aljamain Sterling has been dealing with and had surgery on. Of course, Connolly had that big upset win over Michelle Pajeda. Uh, at 170 pounds, he takes on Pat Sabatini, the former CFFC champion. He makes his promotional debut, but low-key banger. I'm going with Jeff Molina and Kilang Aori, speaking of one of those Japanese prospects. Second fight of the night, both guys making their debuts. Both are super exciting. Molina had that incredible fight with Jacob Silva on the Contender Series to get a contract. Another up-and-comer under the Wise tutelage of James Krause and the team over mm -hmm. at Glory MMA. Really like that matchup. And it all goes down tomorrow night. UFC 261. Jose, our boots in the ground. He will be in the building. Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena bringing you all the winter scrums backstage. We'll have our pre-fight show one hour long this time. That kicks off at 5 p.m. Eastern. And uh, a little bit of breaking news here. We will be joined by UFC middleweight Gerald Mearshart. So that should be a lot of fun. But until then... 
For the great Jose Youngs, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for watching, and we will see you tomorrow night. No one gave me Demon Slayer spoilers that's watching this. Do not. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but don't do it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.